Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. Josh Cantwell. If you love entrepreneurship and investing in real estate, then you are in the right place. Josh is the CEO of Freeland Ventures Real Estate Private Equity and has personally invested in well over 500 properties all across the country. He's also made hundreds of private lender loans and owns over 1,000 units of apartments. Josh is an expert at raising private money for deals, and he prides himself on never having had a boss in his entire adult life. Josh and his team also mentor investors and entrepreneurs from all over the world. He doesn't dream about doing deals. He actually does them, and so do his listeners and students. Now sit back, listen, listen learn, learn, and accelerate your business, your life, and your investing with the Accelerated Investor Podcast. So hey, welcome back to Accelerated Investor. I want to thank all of you guys and tell you how privileged I am that you're listening to this podcast, that you're spending time with me, that whether you're in your car, you're in the gym, you're going for a walk, you're social distancing, and you're going for walks in your neighborhood, whatever you're doing, however you're engaging with Accelerated Investor and with me and my guests, I just want to say thank you. I'm so privileged for all the ratings and reviews that we've gotten. Thanks for sharing this on social media. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're you know, taking care of your families and enjoying some of this extra time that we have had with our families while we're sheltering in place. Uh, what I've done is I asked my good friend, Jack Patrick, Jack's been on our podcast before to hop back on, uh, to teach you guys and talk to you guys a little bit about some of our apartment deals. Um, so Jack, welcome back to Accelerated Investor. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks for having me, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Give you guys some framework, some background on Jack. Jack and I met uh, over five years ago. Our daughters played a little league soccer together when they were just five or six years old. Uh, they were on the same team. Jack and I coached the team, had a great, great time. My daughter, Juliana, Jack's daughter, Emma, are great friends. My son, Dominic, and, and Jack's son, Cole, are really close buddies. Matter of fact, I think they're upstairs right now talking on their iPads. Couple yeah, of knuckleheads. Um, Jack is also an amazing real estate investor. I met Jack when he was a full time firefighter and he owned about 15 or 20 single family rentals. Today, Jack is a full time real estate investor, owns over 640 units of multifamily and single family and apartment buildings, over 640 units, and has raised over $6 million. And so, Jack, just for our audience that hasn't met you before, just give us a little bit of background foundation about you and about your kind of pivot from being a firefighter to real estate and your passion for real estate. And then we're going to introduce everybody. Jack and I already recorded a call for our investors. Jack and I own 164 units together, an apartment building in Shaker Heights and Cleveland Heights. And we're going to give you guys, uh, we're going to peel back the onion and give you guys a listen into an actual investor update that we did for our investors that invested. Uh, we raised about $2.2 million for this deal together. Uh, and we'll give you guys uh, insider access to that recording. So Jack, again, just tell our audience if they don't know you a little bit about your background, your history as a firefighter and a real estate investor. Absolutely. So I um, um, became a firefighter and paramedic shortly out of high school, um, came across the book Rich Dad Poor Dad and it just really just like spun me in my head. So I initially had an interest of building custom homes, uh, was not the cash flow model. Uh, we, we did that for a number of years up until 2008, and then I got to witness every large builder and developer that had been around for multi-generations just get wiped out. Right. And um, in that time, single-family houses had completely collapsed, so 
I started transitioning to single family rentals. Thankfully, the construction background that I acquired was, was very handy at that time as we were buying extremely distressed properties. Um, you know, houses that sold for 120,000 were buying them as low as 4,000 hours and then doing a full rebuild to them. But that experience allowed me to be able to do that. So I spent quite a few years um, without mentors. I, I honestly didn't know they existed and I knew nothing about private capital. So it was just one house after another, after another, and kept on doing that. I was a full-time firefighter paramedic for the city of Strongsville, which is a suburb of Cleveland. And I also thought that success was doing as many different things as possible. So (laughs) we did MLM, an MLM business during that time. Um, Fitness, you guys sold wine. It was, I bought wine from you guys. Well, it was was uh, great. I learned a lot through the experiences, but not from the business itself, but it it was all part of the different layers of building who I am today. So, um, but it's funny looking back, but my, my wife's a nurse practitioner. We have an NP business. We started another NP business. We're homeschooling our kids. We're doing like five things. And then, uh, like I said, uh, initially when my, my, my wife was trying to get into my daughter into soccer, I'm like, we don't have time for this. She went around my back. We met Josh. like game changer. <laughs> it really was. So, you know, Josh invited me to come along into, um, into Shrek, into his masterminds. And that's really when I started getting the very first mentoring and learning about focusing and looking at, at, at what's a distraction, what's an opportunity, understanding it first along about private capital. And that was the first of many other things I got involved with. I got involved with some other masterminds that did a lot of, lot of audible books on, um, yep. on Amazon. We shared my account for a little bit too. It's yeah. Like, yeah. I remember when you bought like your first apartment training, you're like, I think I want to get into apartments. Yep. And I didn't, I, I didn't have yep. a lot of experience in apartments at that time, but I was really good at raising money. And you were all fired up about that. And that was a couple years ago. And you went from, again, your portfolio of maybe 40 roughly single families to now 640 total units, really focusing on apartments. I've been, I've been one of Jack's primary private lenders. We've done a lot of first mortgage senior debt on a number of buildings. And then we also have raised capital together on a couple buildings for actually the down payment uh, and raising private money through private placements and things like that. So it's, it's been an amazing journey for both of us over the last five years or so. I think the event we did in Cleveland, like the first mastermind I had that you were at, that was down at the Doubletree in Cleveland. Yes, I think it was, I want to say it was like the summer of 2015, I think. So it was almost yeah, five years. Almost five years. It was a long now. time ago. And I, yeah. I didn't even know how to dress for the event. I came in like t-shirt and shorts. Everybody else <laughs> really nice business up here. I'm like, I'm so out of place. And, like, <laughs> and one, of our, one of our masterminds, you said something that I, I will never forget. And it was, well, actually it was two, two different things. The first one was, and we were talking actually to our friend Darren, and we were saying that your job, it's not a life jacket, it's an anchor around your neck. And at the time being a firefighter, like it was inconceivable to leave at 15 years. You know, you would always take it 25, 30, 35 years. You've got a pension, you've got healthcare. Well, my laundry income is more than my pension and healthcare right now today. <laughs> laundry income but, from washers and dryers and quarters. Washers and dryers, the quarters, but it just, it, 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 it was hard. It, it took a lot of time, to a, a, lot, a lot of masterminds, a lot of discussions, a lot of personal development, which I learned a lot about personal development through our failed multi-level marketing businesses, but it, it, it's, it's changing the programming of our mind. And that was, and all of these were pieces and layers that kind of helped make the transition. And then once I really started doing more apartment training 
and really started to understand it. And after I spent over a year on it, it's as simple as this, and I'll dumb it down to this. Commercial real estate sells and is valued based upon net operating income, which is income minus expenses. So what we're trying to look for are properties that have ineffective net operating income through low rents, low occupancy, deferred maintenance, absentee owners, or terrible third-party managers. And, and those scenarios are everywhere around us. Mm-hmm. And another thing that you had said, um, this is with your brother, Mark, but you know, if we're not finding enough deal flow, we either have to expand, expand our market or marketing. And every time that I'm like, I can't find enough properties, enough deals, or there's not enough, we got to look elsewhere. The problem came to, if I were honest, how many deals did I look for? How much money did I spend? What did I do? We weren't putting the time in. Right. So those are two huge takeaways that uh, I'll never forget from being a part of, uh, of being a part of Shrek. Yeah, that's awesome, Jack. I appreciate that. And so, um, you know, Jack's been building his portfolio on the the owner operator side and really building his portfolio. I I've been primarily focused on getting access to capital and partnering with Jack, partnering with our other friend Tim, partnering with my other friend George. Um, and now, obviously, this this virus stuff is is exacerbating this recession that we knew was probably coming in the next six months to twenty four months. And so we've been kind of preparing for this over the past couple of years. And now you're going to see a lot of apartment buildings and single family portfolios, people that fall into distress because they overpaid. They paid not a wholesale price like we pay, but they paid a retail price for these properties, hoping that they would cash flow or hoping that they would appreciate even more. And they're not going to have the cash flow or they're not going to have the liquidity to keep these buildings and they're going to lose them. And so Jack and I are really going to be active over the next, let's say, three months to 18 months looking for assets to buy, um, looking for deals. And the thing that that I'm excited for is that we've, over the past year, we've pivoted away from lending and private lending and hard money lending and getting liquid so that we have the, the cash available to now go pounce on these opportunities that might be 10 or 20 or 30% off of where they were just 30 days ago. It, 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 it's really amazing. And so, Jack, I know you're positioning yourself to buy up a lot of assets as well as we are. We'll partner on a bunch of stuff, and so we're excited for that. Um, I want to I wanna let our audience uh, kind of peek behind the curtain here of this investor call that we did. Again, to frame this up, I'm going to have Jack give you the, the details about this building. But this is a 164-unit building that Jack found off-market. Uh, Jack and I partnered on it. I helped bring in some capital, do some deal evaluation, some underwriting and investor relations. Um, and we just did, we've owned the building now for about nine months or so. And uh, we just did an investor update that we're going to send to our investors. What I wanted to do was actually uh, add that to this recording and let you guys hear in real time how Jack and I are talking to our investors. But before we, we turn on that piece of the recording and add it to this intro, Jack, why don't you just frame up the deal? Tell us a little bit about how you found it, what we bought it for, what the plan was for stabilization. Absolutely. So we uh, found the property through um, uh, our Marcus and Millichap broker relations. We um, essentially, um, and this is kind of important, so I'll just talk about this briefly. Um, we, we made the introductions and, and uh, tried to start a relationship, but at the time, I had not closed the deal with them at this point. So, you know, showed up, um, you know, communicated well, returned phone calls, text messages, um, and uh, we had a deal that we were close to getting. We were, we were basically the top two offers, and we ended up losing that property. Instead of getting upset and frustrated, man, which is things I've done 10 years ago, because it's like, oh, it's the last deal, whatever, fine. 
there's another one. There's always another one. Yeah. So the next deal came around. We closed on it. Um, had a hiccup at the end, but we were able to work through it and uh, really use that to create a really good relationship. And ever since I was able to close on that deal, it's opened the floodgates to bring in off-market deals. But you're not going to get off-market deals until you close the deal and you prove yourself because that, 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 that broker is putting their reputation and their commission on the line when they go back to the seller and say, I've got an offer for you. It's not like residential. It's a whole different animal. So you have you have to prove yourself. You have to show your person integrity that can close. So basically, the I got a phone call one day. Deal hit the market, um, off market property in Shaker Cleveland Heights, 164 units. Purchase price at 9.2 million dollars. We had about a 2.2 million dollar capital raise. Uh, we had to look at it immediately, and if we liked it, we had to put um, 50 thousand dollars of, of non refundable earnest money day one with another 100,000 behind there. And just to frame this up, previously to these deals, I had been closing smaller deals. This was, this capital raise was six times larger than what I was normally doing. And the, the, the down payment of $150,000 was, was a pretty big bite to, to, you know, to take a bite off that with 50,000 being non-refundable day one. So it definitely took, uh, it was a lot of growth, this yeah. property. This property I remember when we were, when the, the offer accepted the offer, we're at a coffee shop. I'm like, great. And like, oh, oh, you know, like, crap. oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, it, pressure, it was, man. Uh, pressure. Got to have some stones. Got to have some stones to do that. The deal, I got to say, like, really took me to the next level because the, the size of steel, 9.2 million, I, I had to, I had to bring in, you know, investors to help build my balance sheet. We had 2.2 million to raise. We had 150,000 that was going to be going hard here shortly. It, this was a deal that really stressed me out significantly because it really stretched me. But yeah. because we executed, because we were able to get the capital together, um, it really leveled me to the next level. It basically advanced me five years over the summer of last summer. Yeah, phenomenal. So let's peel back the curtain. Um, we're gonna we're, we're gonna close out this intro, and we'll, we're gonna attach the investor update right here. Uh, I think you'll love it for all of our audience. Take a listen. This is an actual investor update uh, about uh, six to seven, eight months into this project, um, and right in the middle of this coronavirus scare. Uh, you'll hear Jack and I talking about a real deal that's with a real update, with real people, with real money on the line. Uh, take a listen. I think you're going to really love it. Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business. We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. So hey everybody, all of our investors, how are you? This is Josh Cantwell here with Jack Petrick. Wanted to give you guys a quick update 
on the uh, the Heights Point. Uh, 164 unit project in Shaker Heights, Cleveland Heights. Jack and I wanted to pop on the phone. I know a lot of you guys have questions about the you know, progress and the project, as well as obviously any kind of impact that we're seeing regarding uh, the virus. So Jack and I just thought we'd hop on and give you guys a personal update here and shoot you out this video. So Jack, welcome. Thanks thanks for hopping on, friend. How you doing? Thank you very much for having me. Thank you everyone for uh, not only investing in the project, but just taking a moment to listen to this quick update. Yeah, you bet. Um, so. First of all, one thing I want to talk about, Jack, real quick is is just mentally, like psychologically, uh, give everybody a little bit of uh, of some peace of mind. Uh, I just want to remind everybody we bought this building for nine point two million. Uh, I had planned on putting about four or five hundred thousand dollars renovations into it, closing costs all in for about nine point eight million, uh, based on the improvements uh, that we're going to do over time, the rent bumps, things like that. Property should appraise around 14, 14 and a half million and then be able to refinance. Many people are going to ask, well, you know, what's going on with rent? What's going on with collecting rents and things like that? I just want to reassure everybody that, you know, buildings like this, we're able to buy, we're able to buy them at a discount and your principal is not at risk. I think that's the first question people are going to ask Jack is what about my equity investment? Are we going to lose the building? What's going on there? Typically we're into these buildings for about 65 to 70 cents on the dollar, meaning, um, to take all the income, subtract the expenses and the debt service, and you know we could have 20, 25, 30% vacancy before we're upside down. So just talk to that for a minute, Jack, about the, the model. Just remind everybody about our model for investing and how we protect them by you know, buying deals at a wholesale price. And, and we have you know, this, this big cushion, if you will, for vacancy before the building would ever be at risk. Exactly. We bought the property at a substantial discount. So just a reminder of the backstory in this project. Um, this was an off-market deal. There was a New York buyer that was coming in to buy the project. And our Marcus Millichap Cleveland uh, franchise franchisee, um, um, Dan, actually came, came in contact with this information. And he already had an established relationship with the sellers. So he got a little bit fired up about it and said, hey, let me bring somebody to the table. And that's when we came in to, to take this project down. So, you know, they were looking to exit the property. They had owned the property for over 20 years um, and did not go to market. So we were able to buy the property at a substantial discount. So, you know, we bought the property somewhere in, in, the, in the mid 50s. And right now we have comps of just recently within the last few weeks of some deals that were similar that sold at $83,000. Similar condition, same location, so we already went into the property for equity. Um, we also had some minor accounting adjustments too that have been beneficial for us. So um, like the, the previous owner was only claiming about $5,500 of laundry or running of laundry income from the Washington dryers. And we're running, you know, closer north of $25,000 because we're just claiming all the laundry. Income. Right. So if you take that, that discrepancy, you divide it by a six and a half cap, it's over a $300,000 valuation bump before doing anything. Then we're going through the units, doing our upgrades in our kitchens and bathrooms, getting rents bumped up, um, doing our water conservation program, lowering expenses. So you know, I think always what's worked for me, and I know what's worked for you, Josh, is not buying at retail, buying at wholesale, buying at a discount, bringing operational efficiencies, increasing the income of the property, and that provides safety for us on top of having great management too. Because in this business, operation is where the money is made. You can yep. buy right and still screw a deal up, but if you buy right, you operate it right, you manage it right, you treat the tenants well, you know, and you have you bought at the right property at the right location, the right price, 
typically that's where it provides a lot more safety for us. Yeah, fantastic. So close on the building. Um, the big one was, if you remember, it was already, you know, uh, I think it was 157 out of 164 units were occupied when we bought it. So there's very little turnover, you know, in that first four to six months. We gave you guys all an investor update in January. Um, and obviously it's been three months and now we're in a kind of whole new world with this, uh, you know, uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 virus stuff. The good news is, is as we record this, um, it looks like the virus is peaking or peaked in a lot of areas. And we're talking about reopening our economy. Um, so let's just talk, Jack, before this virus, why don't we just give everybody an update as far as like how many units were painted, how much of the renovation was done. There were some point of sale violations when we inherited, uh, we got some concessions from the seller to cover those point of sale violations. Just tell us what's happened really since January, maybe leading up to about mid March or late March before this whole virus thing broke out. What were some of the improvements that were done? What was the condition of the property at that point? Perfect. So let's just start off with numbers. So right now we have, um, again, we have 164 units and our goal was to roughly do about half of that. You know, it might, it might end up being a little bit more, but that was kind of like what we were just penciling out. So right now we have a total of 94 units that have been painted. So again, we, when we actually want to push a little bit past that number, that 82, so 94 have been painted. So we, we pretty much are, or check the box on that. And right now we have a total of 94 units that have been renovated. So we're, you know, we're approaching two thirds at this point, which is exactly where we want it to be at. Um, we've got 24 additional units that, that are scheduled right now to continue the renovation. What I mean by that, when we started the project off, we were initially were bringing in crews that they would take on the whole job. They would come in, they would take care of the painting, caulking, then they would proceed forward with countertops, flooring cabinets, um, resetting the vanity, toilet, and all those items. And what's really has worked out for us a lot better, a lot more efficiently, we found a number of painting crews and they go, they start off in the unit and all they do is paint. They paint the cabinets, the walls, court around the ceilings in the bathroom and kitchen if it's an occupied unit. If it's a vacant unit, we're doing a full repaint. Mm -hmm. But that way they're working far ahead of us. Then we're bringing our crews in and now they don't have to touch painting or drywall work. They're just focused on the build out. And that, that has been working out a lot more efficiently. And we've, we've went through some crews, which was natural to kind of get really dialed in. Mm -hmm. um, right now we have an Amish remodeling crew. Um, they're coming in and they're getting, you know, once a unit is painted, they're getting it done anywhere between a day to a day and a half. So they're turning wow. units over quickly. The quality is there and um, it's, it's been going, the, the turnovers have been going well. Yeah, and we'll we'll include some pictures for all of you guys. We're gonna send out, you know, PowerPoint with this. Should be attached to the email. Send some pictures, like it's kind of some before and after photos, so you can see what's been renovated: the kitchens, the bathrooms, the flooring, the difference in what the units used to look like. And remember when we bought it, the units were in really good shape, but they were very like 1990s ish. A lot of gold and white, you know, really really clean, very well kept. Okay, but yeah, but old cabinets, old and and just not uh, not kind of modernized, if you will, uh, for 2020. So that's the 94 units that that Jack has already been working on turning those over and, and getting those updated because the whole goal then is to bump the rents. So um, Jack, there was some point of sale violations that, you know, exterior tuck pointing, some of those kind of things uh, that we had to get done. Majority of that stuff's been completed, right? So the we have interior and exterior point of sales. The majority of the interior violations have been done. It's a very lengthy, extensive list, but most of it is just 
small loose ends like yeah. loose receptacle cover you know adjust door striker like the city we're in we have very high rents because it's definitely it's, it's a more affluent community but because of it the building department is definitely a little bit more um um a little bit more picky with the work yeah. and stuff. So, just a little um, bit <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly so the interior work we still got a little bit more to go but we, we punched through most of it at this point and we're now just going on the exterior um you know ohio's funny for those who don't live here we were cutting out grass a week ago and now we're sitting on yeah. a couple inches of snow <laughs> so yeah with the weather breaking right now um we're gonna be start taking crews outside and trying to get those worked out and uh working on that with the interior unit turn so um also, uh, let me see what, yeah, so I'm sorry, go ahead and, uh, on that. And your yeah. next thing. So, so well, well, part of the plan, so let's talk about the larger plan, right? So we talked about the 94 units that have been painted, renovated. There's another 24 units that are scheduled for renovations. Um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the virus and what's that's done because, uh, a, a lot of, a lot of the, the tenants that are there, obviously we're all in this sort of shelter in place order. People don't really sure. want to have crews and, and strangers and contractors coming into their units to be turning them over. Everyone's just obviously fearful for their health right now. So yes. just talk about this last now. Um, well, before we go there, let's talk about May, June, and July, right? So okay. we, we, we started turning these units over. A lot of them are scheduled. So you, the plan was to really do a lot of the improvements while the tenants were in place doing these yes. improvements also so they could see like, wow, I got a brand new unit. This is amazing. And I'm paying the same price. Then when their unit was up for turnover and renewal, then we would kind of spring on them that the price was going to go up. Um, yeah. You know, definitely, definitely kind of let them know something's coming, but now they would know if they want to stay, the unit's been renovated. We're going to increase the rent when they do their renewal. So just talk to that for a minute. We've got a bunch of renewals coming up in May, June, and July. Exactly. So the property manager there, um, Shree, she actually carried over from the pre previous property and she's actually a part of the family that sold the property to us. They strategically set all the leases to begin in springtime and basically for the most part end in August because we have a lot of med students that come into like Case Western um, University and um, a lot of, a lot, a lot of professionals. Um, so it just, that really was the window where people were coming in and out. So um, right now in the month of May, we have a total of 47 lease renewals in the month of June, we have 39 and then we're going to wrap up in July at about 12. And once we hit the end of July, there's less than 10 renewals that happen after that. So the majority of that is happening in this time right now. So, you know, right now we've had a pretty high, relatively high rate of tenants renewing their leases with us with, with bumping the rents. Uh, but with these upcoming months, you know, we will be losing some tenants and that's totally normal. And we're just planning once that happens, if those units did not start the renovation, we would be adding those to the renovation count. So again, that's why there's a good chance we're probably going to be going north of 82 renovated units, um, starting off fresh in those and just moving on with them. So, right. uh, but it just, this really is our ideal leasing period. And even with my other properties, I really try to have my property managers not have lease renewals and December, January, February, in those months is when it's cold and snowing. A lot of people are just not wanting to, to locate and, right. and take that decision, that move. So let's talk a little bit about the virus. We've, we, we're getting into this season where we're expecting a lot of units to renew or turn over. And we're, we want people to stay and obviously see the improved unit and just pay the increased rent. 
So talk a little about in kind of real time here, what's happening now in, in April? What do we expect to maybe see in May? Are people uh, seeing the rent bumps, the increases in the rent and staying and re-signing? That's for the most part what's happening. Uh, a lot of people don't want to move right now, like just because of the virus. So tell us about what their mindsets are about signing, paying the increased rent, staying sheltering in place versus moving out. Absolutely. So for the most part, most of the tenants are staying. Um, we have had a handful that have left, but again, with 164 units, that that's completely normal. Um, right now, we do have 31 tenants where their apartments have been painted, but right now they don't want to have any contractors come in to, um, you know, to, to come in and wrap up the last part of the renovation. So um, I really feel that well, not that I feel. We actually have had some some conversations and some news article briefings from our governor that we're going to start to reopen here in May. And as we're seeing things kind of calm down, I'm seeing that tenants are starting to relax a little bit more. And then um, another thing that's been really beneficial during this time is we've been actually very aggressive at leasing. So when things started getting a little bit shaky with uh, with COVID coming out and with stay-at-home orders and who's essential, who's not essential. We had to make, really make a decision. Do we continue on pushing the remodeling or do we slow up for a moment to conserve cash, not really knowing what was going to happen because we've never been to this before. So we actually went the opposite direction and really pushed hard with marketing. And I've been really surprised that our leasing has been going better than ever. And what we found out to some extent is some other properties and property managers, they are, are holding off on leasing. They're not wanting to bring people in the property. And we are taking this seriously. We are taking precautions. But at the same time, you know, if somebody comes in, you know, to an empty hallway to go tour a vacant apartment building, we're not having the same risk exposure as bringing somebody into a nursing home with 150 people. Right. You know, we're also being diligent, cleaning door handles and doing things of that nature. So uh, because we've been pushing uh, on the leasing, we've been generating a lot of traffic. That has indicated to me they want to continue moving forward with the remodeling, not just here, but my other projects as well. Fantastic. That's great. My newest and most powerful real estate investing book, The Flip System, is now available. And for a limited time, you can grab your free copy at getflipsystem.com forward slash podcast. Using the same proven principles, secrets, and investing strategies I'm sharing in this book, I've been able to personally close over 750 highly profitable real estate deals over the last 15 years, make over 400 private lender loans, raise over $30 million of private money, and acquire over 2,000 units of apartments. Get my newest book now for free for a limited time at getflipsystem.com slash podcast. That's getflipsystem.com slash podcast. So um, I think the question on everybody's mind is, are rents getting bumped? And do we see any additional vacancy because of COVID-19 like in, in, right now? And obviously, this is a very short-term, again, a health scare in the short run. This is not going to impact the long-term play with the building over the next 5, 10, 30 years. Um, yes. This is very short-term. So it's we're treating it like a natural disaster or something that we have to take care of in the short run, almost like a hurricane or a tornado. And it's something that might impact the building for the next one to three months. 
but long-term is not going to impact. So if anything, worst case scenario, if we go to refinance and that refinance gets delayed a little bit, okay, but the building's not you know, at risk of losing the building necessarily. So in the short run, what is happening? Are we able to bump rents on those people that are renewing? Are we seeing any kind of additional significant vacancy or is things kind of status quo? So in the vacancy, we're not seeing anything other than though it's been a usual vacancy. Um, we actually have um, four eviction notices that went out right now, but out of 164 units, that's a completely normal. Pretty darn good. Yeah, like that, that and that that's just typical normal collections and operations and things of that nature. Um, with those four tenants right now, uh, the courts have been froze, um, they've been pushing things back a little bit. So might be an extra month or two before we get them out. But again, that's not going to affect or change anything on our end. Um, and with those units turning over, um, you know, we're going to do the same same remodel on those things and and those units and then, you know, continue to the bump rent, you know, the, the rent increases on those. So my goal is actually to try to, again, go north of 82 units, you know, trying to get somewhere north of that. So again, just to kind of help out, just to continue to bring the income up a little bit further. Yeah. It just insulates the cash flow. the higher the income, the bigger the building's value. Um, yes. And then when it comes to the refinance, you know, getting in the highest value possible based on the net income is obviously um, the goal and the approach. So certainly hope um, as we kind of wrap this up, certainly kind of hope by, let's say, July 1st, a lot of people are back to work. A lot of things are normal. Again, this is why you buy, a, you know, a, a really stable class A building in a, cl- you know, class B or a class A uh, area. This is not luxury. It's still kind of considered workforce housing. A lot of doctors, nurses, you know, students, things like that. But we're not in a, in a C-class environment where you know people are losing jobs and can't pay the rent. We're also not in class A luxury where people are losing jobs and can't afford a huge, uh, you know, a huge rent payment. Uh, if anything, you know, those people that are in luxury who maybe lose their jobs would quote unquote, I guess, downgrade, if you would, into a building like this, even though this is still an amazing building, because they maybe can't afford 3000 a month for rent anymore, downtown Cleveland, but they can afford 1000 or 1200 or $1,500 in a building like this. This is why you buy the product that we buy. So Jack, as we kind of wrap this up, any kind of final thoughts about what you think is going to happen over the next month or two or six? And then, you know, if anything on the refinance, kind of worst case scenario, maybe things get pushed back a little bit, affects the investors return a little bit. Uh, but, you know, again, not something we can really project right now, because if things yeah. hockey stick back, things could go back right to normal. Um, but certainly not at risk of, uh, of, of you know losing a building or not having cash flow to support the mortgage. Exactly. And that's and just let me just go off that real, real quick for just a moment with all the investors that you have and that I, that I currently have on this project and other projects, it's been really nice to be able to continue to be able to make distributions during this time. Um, there are other apartment owners that are holding off in distributions, but more importantly, there's a lot of people that have lost a lot of money in the market and in other investments. So to be able to preserve that principle and still provide a return in a time like this, I think it just proves the, uh, um, the the business plan of what we're doing here and what we're investing in. Right. Um, yeah. I'm definitely very optimistic with with how everything is going. Um, you know, we, 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 there was a number of weeks here where all of us were just kind of scratching our head, like, what's going to happen with all this? Yeah. Like, oh, come, come, come well, the news know. that was coming out was so confusing. We would hear one thing, oh. hear another. There was conflicting information. What was real? What was not? You know, social media has an impact on what you're hearing. And then, you know, you and I are on the phone talking about, well, I just heard this. And you're like, well, I heard that. 
you know, what's real, what's not, talking to attorneys, getting interpretations. That's all for the most part calmed down, which has been 100%. nice. And now at least we know what kind of environment we're operating in. For a, a week or two, it was all the new stuff coming on with you know Governor Dewan. He was very proactive in Ohio as far as going into shelter in place very early compared to other states. So we were really proactive in, in getting in that. But it was confusing for a week or two, as everyone should expect. But now things are... You know, we know what kind of environment we're working in. Hopefully, the state state's going to open up here in the next two weeks, and we haven't seen any kind of significant downturn. If anything, people are still moving. Jack's being aggressive with the marketing to fill up units, which has been great. So, yes. any other thoughts, final thoughts, words of encouragement, ideas, anything else we want our investors to know, Jack? Um, no, there are updates at the moment. You know, we're definitely happy with the progress of where we're going. We're happy with the team, the communications within our team members. Um, our, our, our supply of material has been coming in well. We haven't seen any disruptions on that. And I was thinking there was a possibility we could experience that, but we were trying to be very proactive with that. We've been very proactive with our property manager, with, with uh, the guys that we have on staff with our 1099 contractors. Uh, and I just feel that a real big piece of this is being active, knowing where chips are at, where we strengths, what our weaknesses, how do we protect where we're vulnerable at. And we just have really been doing, you know, I think we've been very proactive at doing that. And also yeah. just tenant communication as well. And also communication with investors and just trying to keep everybody on the same page because, you know, it, it's, it's, it's been a wonderful experience in this property. And we just want to continue this time, get it to the finish line, hit the refinance, and then, uh, then we'll move on to the next one. Yeah. And rel- relative to the refinance, just to add some color to that, you know, banking is obviously very different today than it was three weeks ago. And yes, so a lot of the multifamily bridge lenders that were giving bridge loans even a month ago are no longer in that space. And Jack and I talked about this is not really it's not really meaningful to speculate where lending and banking will be because we're not really set to refinance this building till the end of the year, beginning of next year. And we think a lot of things are going to normalize. So although it, it, you know, like some lenders are totally out of the business, um, other lenders have tightened up some of their guidelines. But on some of the new purchases that we've done, we've gotten the best financing terms we've ever gotten. So it, 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 there's benefits to some and negatives to other, but it's not really even meaningful to speculate because we're not really set to refinance this thing for about nine months from now. It's not really meaningful to speculate what, what rates and terms will look like. We expect them to pretty much normalize. And at that time, we'll kind of see what the market's going to give us as far as refinance percentages, cash out refi proceeds. If we have to put money in escrow, we'll obviously just get the best financing terms we can to put on the building for the very long term. We'll make that decision when we get there. Um, And obviously, there's a lot of upheaval in the banking industry right now, liquidity issues, Federal Reserve pumping money into the system. And it's created some unknowns. But we're not set to refinance this building today anyhow. It's going to happen around nine minutes from now. So let's see what happens over the next quarter with banking and then talk about what does things look like in maybe Q4, you know, Q1 of 2021. Then it'll be meaningful. Right now, it'd be purely speculation anyway. So sure. I think that's important to say. One of the advantages, though, that's going on is interest rates are the, the, about the lowest they've ever been, too. So yeah. we're, we're, advantage, we're taking advantage of that. So you know, I guess one of the things that the message I just had to the investors that I, I work with at all of my other properties is like, when things are uncertain, unknown, this is oftentimes when the most money is made. Like I remember, Josh, when we were getting together years ago and I was in single family space and houses that used to sell for $120,000, I was buying for $4,000. Then yeah. people thought it was crazy. Today, I'm a genius, but it's because 
I was able to see the value of what it was and ignore and just like plug my ears and all the hearsay and social media content, everybody's opinion of everything and know what a solid investment was. And I focused on that and it, it paid really well. More money is made on down markets than up markets. Right. You can buy everything at a price point or a discount that you couldn't buy when the market's doing well. So even with everything that's going on, just, just don't get distracted with all the noise um, of what could happen, shoulda, coulda, woulda, worst case scenarios, and, and, and everybody's fighting on Facebook and what they think they know what fact is. Like focus on the opportunities and look at the, that solid assets are going to survive in this situation. That's fantastic. Jack, thanks so much for hopping on. I look forward to getting Thank this you, investor Jack. update Appreciate out to our people and our members. And, uh, you know, look forward to doing more deals with you, of course, as always in the future. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. So, guys, there you have it. That was our investor update on the 164-unit Heights Point property. I hope you really enjoyed hearing that live update on, on you know, in real time from Jack and I. Uh, Jack, as we kind of wrap up this particular podcast and investor update, I know there's lots of listeners who might want to reach out, maybe joint venture on a deal, uh, have some questions about multifamily investing. Uh, where can people reach out to you, touch base with you, get to learn a little bit more about your business? Yeah, Josh, thank you. Um, if anybody would be able to um, go to our website, which is petrickpropertygroup.com, and uh, just the spelling, it's P-E-T-R-I-C-K, petrickpropertygroup.com. Fantastic. That's awesome. And if you guys enjoyed this interview, definitely share it on social media, share it on all the different, uh, you know, podcasting networks, iTunes, of course, YouTube, let us know how we did leave us comments and questions, ratings and reviews. Thank you so much for taking a listen today. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care. You've been listening to Josh Cantwell and the Accelerated Investor Podcast. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next or who you'd like Josh to interview. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes. Follow Josh Cantwell and his companies, Strategic Real Estate Coach and Freeland Ventures on all social media platforms now and stay up to date on new training and investment opportunities to start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of. Apply for coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com.